This is the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, Episode 14, Gardening Jobs and Plants of Interest for May. Plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs. Hello and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, the podcast to help you get the very best out of your garden with our regular features such as our plant of the month, perfect pairing, two plants that go well together, jobs to do in the garden and plants of note for this time of year. I'm Richard Farrer. And I'm George Munford. Coming up. Coming up in this episode, we have an interview with Owen Carroll, who is one of the gardeners at the famous Dutch gardens Kirkenhof, where they have millions, literally millions of tulips and daffodils and hyacinths. We have our plant of the month for May, which is Clematis Montana variety Grandiflora. Our perfect pairing, two plants that complement each other for May, are Veronica Shirley Blue, sometimes called Speedwell, and Iris Buckwheat, also called the Bearded Iris. We have jobs to do in the garden and the vegetable garden, always a busy time of year is May. And plants of note, we have Wisteria sinensis, a Chinese wisteria, and Colquitsia amabilis pink cloud, sometimes called the beauty bush. We have questions from our listeners, one again about winter pansies and woodlice munching them. We seem to be struggling answering this one. And another one about brown leaves on a spathy film or a peace lily. And we also have forthcoming garden and flower shows for the month of May. We're into May now, George, well and truly into spring. Although it's got a little bit soggy lately, isn't it? Yeah, we seem to be a month behind. Uh, yeah, a month. Yeah, the, a- the April showers are confused. They're coming in May. Yeah, the April showers are now, aren't they? <laughs> they are indeed. Well, things are growing because things are getting warmer. We're having plenty of rain, which I think the gardens do need. My yew tree hedge at the front garden is getting established. I think that's looking really nice. And the, the new growth on a yew hedge is a different colour, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little fluffy, very pale green at the end of the branches. And those shoots change colour as they mature. Yeah, they go darker. I'm pleased they're getting established. That's going to look lovely, but it's going to take a, a few years before we can start attacking it with the shears and topiarising it. Yes, and we're only going to do that, Richard, aren't we, when after the birds have finished nesting in it each spring? Absolutely. We want to give the wildlife the best chance because they do help in the garden. Eating bugs, don't they? Keep the bugs at bay. That's right. It's all part of the food cycle, the yeah. life cycle of the different animals and insects that are in the garden that help to protect the garden against different pests and diseases. Yeah, we definitely want to work with them, don't we? Absolutely. Much better than using weed killers and other stuff like that. Well, later on in the month, May, is the famous Chelsea Flower Show. We'll talk a little bit about that. We have had tickets from the RHS and we've had permission from the BBC to record uh, interviews for our podcast there, so I'm really looking forward to that. You, unfortunately, won't be able to make it, George, because you're gardening, aren't you? Yes, it comes at the busiest time of year. That's terrible. I think it's really shocking that such a beautiful show, but it's your busy season and you've got to make hay when the sun shines, haven't you? Absolutely. It's a bit like farming, I suppose, as a career. Yeah. Well, I'll bring back lots of photos and hopefully we'll get some good interviews. And speaking of interviews, I did an interview last month when I went to the Kirkenhof Gardens in Holland. Have you heard of Kirkenhof, George? 
Yes, I have. It's a world-famous bulb garden, isn't it? It certainly is. I didn't realise they have seven and a half million bulbs, but they plant these bulbs every single year. That was the interesting, uh, well, it was all interesting, the interview, but that was very interesting how they dispose of the bulbs each year and the growers supply them with a new batch, don't they? It is essentially a showcase for the Dutch bulb growing industry. Anyway, I caught up with Owen Carroll, he's one of the 30 gardeners at Kirkenhof, and we spent a few minutes chatting about Kirkenhof, and he explained what is involved in maintaining this glorious show for only two months of the year. So, Owen, you are one of the gardeners here at Kirkenhof. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. How long have you worked here? Oh, I'm working here now, 25 years. Obviously a labour of love. Is, uh, somebody told me years ago to said it's just like paradise. It is. This is what's unbelievable. We're yeah. sitting here now in a beautiful April day. The birds are tweeting, the sun's out, and all the blooms are open. You couldn't get more spectacular, could you? Not this weather. You're depending on the weather as well. And like, like you just said, when the, flower, when the birds are singing, everything is unbelievable. It is stunning. Yeah. How many visitors do you tend to get here each day? Maybe around 10,000, 15,000, 25,000, and a very top day, there's maybe 45,000. 35,000. 35 to 45,000. Phenomenal. It's very busy because uh, it's unbelievable. And how large are, are the gardeners? Uh, the uh, coconut is uh, 32 hectares. It's phenomenal. It's isn't unbelievable. It? And we'll see it outside here now, it's only a small piece. If you go to the old size, it's unbelievable. You need all day to be here, don't you? I think so. I think you, you, you won't do it in three or four hours. Unbelievable. If you want to see, I think maybe six, seven, nearly a whole day. And come back again. I'll come back again, yeah. If we're living close by, it's handy. <laughs> and we were talking earlier, you say you've got about seven and a half million bulbs here planted? Yeah. That's an awful lot. How yeah. long does it take you to plant those? It uh, takes around, maybe around two and a half months. Two and a half months. With uh, 28 gardeners. If I did the maths, I'm sure I could work out <laughs> how many bulbs per person. Yeah, they, we tried the we tried the mathematics, but it, uh, we didn't get a, we, we didn't get any answer. I'm sure some people plant more bulbs than others. I think so. Yeah, yeah. we don't fight about that. <laughs> so you've got seven and a half million bulbs, but you plant these. You take up all the bulbs every year, scrap them, and you start again fresh every year. That's right. Yeah, kijkers, 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 you need your quality. And if you leave it in the ground, there is no, there is no, there is no chance it's going to come out not so good as uh, last year. Yeah. And okay, we're walking here with 100 growers, and like I said to you, the growers supply the bulbs and coconut. So you've got 100 different growers, yeah. and it is essentially a shop window for their produce. It is a shop window. It's okay, so, yeah, what better can you give coconut? Because this coconut is uh, worldwide, everybody knows it's it. It's world famous. It's world famous. Yeah. For bulbs, tulips, daffodils, hyacinths. Yeah. This is the place to come. Daffodils, and like I said, you've got the, the king's crown as well, we call it, the fritillaria, where it just showed you a yeah. while yeah, yeah. And this looks nice as well. People, a lot of, a lot of questions, what is the name? So you've got seven and a half million bulbs. What percentage would you say is split between daffodils, hyacinths and tulips? Is it a third of each? Or? Uh, I think really, I think maybe, maybe, maybe uh, tulips, is, you've got more tulips than daffodils. Yeah. yeah. I think tulips comes up the first place, then you've got the daffodils, and then you've got your hyacinth. And your crocuses, but well, normally it's more tulips. I think maybe around 70% is tulips. Now, yeah. if my Dutch is right, tulpen, is that tulip? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's about the limit of my Dutch. <laughs> <I'm afraid. laughs> uh, when I came here first, I didn't understand anything as well. <laughs> so, no. Well, yeah, you yeah. do brilliantly. So, how do you prepare the ground for all of these bulbs? We, we, we start taking out the flowers at maybe around the 24th of May, yeah? And it takes four and a half weeks to take out everything. And then we get a crane here a small digger, and he digs the surface. 
and then we phrase it with a, with a phrase machine with um, a rotavator. Yeah. And then we repeat, and then we get ready for uh, then what uh, we use uh, uh, cow fertilizer, cow dung. Yeah. Yeah. And then we spread it over, and we fr- and we, fr- and we, we 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 use the um, the phrase uh, to mix the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm after forgetting the word. Sorry. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 And uh, when we're ready, then uh, the architect he get ready for the beds, and a month of four or six people get the designs and we design the beds up new again for next year for this year so every year the design is different every year the beds are mostly the self them or the, the of quiet uh, calls is different because you can't switch around your beds here because you've got a problem you've got the trees yes you can't dig too so much, you dig got trees. you've got a certain structure you have to work around yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. just need to say you can you can change this bed and we shovel up maybe three or four meters you can't do that because you're going to damage your trees because you, you got the roots of the trees are very wide and which are your favorites then I don't. I uh, my my first choice is daffodils, and then uh, and then maybe the tulips. And any particular sort of cultivar of daffodils? I like I like uh, Tahiti, and I like one uh, Susie Marietta. It smells very nice. And you got the white one. I like that one. It's Italia. There are so many different. There's so many different cultivars of well of each of these species of plants. But we sometimes when we go to Chelsea Flower Show, the number of different daffodils they got is phenomenal, and they vary so much yeah. in colour and the bloom shape, and some of the double petals. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yes, yeah, just like you know, this, we're, we're sitting down alongside here now. This is a daffodil grow. If you have a look in a minute, you see so many different sorts. It's unbelievable. You got with double head, single head. It's unbelievable. And uh, someone smells nice, doesn't smell. Yes. Yeah. Now, people at home, if they wanted to grow tulips and bulbs and things, what's the best approach for them to take to make, ensure a consistent bloom year after year? Yeah, like I said, make sure you've got good dry ground. Because if, if the ground is wet, there is a chance your bulbs are going to rot. Yeah. So it's better to on a good dry ground and fertilise it and uh, plant maybe around at the end of September, uh, beginning of October. And then you can plant your daffodils and your tulips. Now, make sure you have good dry surface. And when the bulbs come up, when the flowers are finished, you need to deadhead them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you need to leave the foliage to die back and feed yeah. the bulb for next year. That's right, yeah. Because okay? uh, maybe when it's finished flowers, just take off the head, yeah? Yeah. Because if you don't take off the head, the energy is going back into the seed. Yes. So that's why take off the head and the energy will go back into the bulb. And you leave maybe till around the second week of July. We do here, the farmers do that here in the fields. And they take them out and they peel the bulbs and they're ready for the export. Yes. And the big, uh, the big bulbs go for the export now, like Japan, Verenigde uh, Staten. And then the small one puts them back to the ground for next year again. One tulip can maybe develop some two or three bulbs. And the biggest is for the export, and the small one goes back in the ground. So you, you can then separate the bulbs and plant them out, and hopefully they'll sort of multiply in the ground. Yeah, and you'll it's just like that, the recycling. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate nature, nature's yeah. recycling. Yeah, that's right, yeah. 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 And, and, and the growers do that as well. Why not? Because uh, Holland is a, is a product of tulips. No? Yeah. Holland is yeah. famous for its tulips. Famous it's for its tulips, yeah. Clogs and tulips. Ch- clogs <laughs> and tulips, yeah. And Delft Blue. <laughs> Don't forget that. Well, this is beautiful. Uh, Owen, thank you ever so much. You've given us the time and shown us around Kirkenhof. We've never been here before. We've always wanted to come, and it has not been a disappointment. Oh, you're welcome. It is beautiful. Well, make sure you come back again. And if you, huh? Well, you change the design every year, so... Um, uh, I think we would love to come back. Sure, again. why not? Absolutely. This is, yes. this is, uh, I bl- it is, uh, somebody said it's just, it's just like heaven. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. With this weather and everything, it's very nice. In a day like this, the in a day like out, this, the bloom, what do you want anymore? Yeah, you couldn't ask for anymore. You couldn't ask for anymore. Thank you okay. very much. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. 
So there we go, George. Seven and a half million bulbs, and they get supplied free of charge, which I think is excellent. They redesign it every year, so if you have seen it and you want to go back again, you're going to see a different show every year. A hundred different growers are showcased on 32 hectares of land, and 75% of the visitors are from abroad. I was one of those. Yes, and you really enjoyed yourself, didn't you, Richard? Oh, it was stunning. It literally is like a piece of heaven on earth. And do you know how they do it in terms of, if you have a field of tulips, for example, is that field also got other bulbs in it that come up after the tulips or before the tulips? I don't know about the fields for the growing and cultivation and and sale, but in the actual beds in the garden, yeah, they do have it staged so that the early bulbs will come up and as they're dying off and the next ones are popping up, they've got a sort of staged sequence for some of the beds. So very much in the beds... I don't know about in the general cultivation of bulbs. I felt the biggest tip that you got from the interview was about, you asked him about the soil, didn't you? Yeah. uh, And he said straight away, make sure the soil is nice and dry, didn't he? Yes, drainage I think is key for bulbs, isn't it? You don't want them getting wet in winter because they can... We've lost bulbs in your garden before. (laughs) We've lost a lot of bulbs in my garden and we're going to get another bag of grit this week to put in some new bulbs. Drainage is key, certainly because the soil I've got here is clay. If you've got a silty or sandy soil, then drainage isn't so much of an issue. It's going to drain better anyway. But clay is notorious for bad drainage. Yeah, so in your garden, it's all the most important thing is to get grit around the roots of the bulb and around the neck of the bulb, which can rot in very wet soil. Yeah, I think we've lost a few this year. Certainly lost an eryngium. Now, I know that's not a bulb, but I love that eryngium, so I'm going to have to buy a new one, I'm afraid. And this time we'll make sure it's properly planted with even more grit than last time. We're going to put a ton in, George, yeah. Now, our plant of the month for May is Clematis Montana variety Grandiflora. Now, some people call it Clematis. I call it Clematis. I don't know that it really matters. Some purists might argue with us, but it's still a beautiful plant, isn't it? Four big white petals, a little bit like a propeller, it reminds me of. Yes, and there are many of the flowers on this particular Clematis. Of course, there are many Clematis species and cultivars to choose from. And this one is particularly useful if you want to cover an area quickly. You might have, I don't know, maybe an oil tank or something like that that you want to cover up because it might be unsightly in the garden. This would be an excellent choice of plant to use as a screen to improve the visual aspect of the garden. It can grow up to 10 metres tall and has a spread of 4 metres. It's a hardy clematis and it's best grown in fertile, well-drained, neutral soil. The flowers are produced in May and June, and as Richard said, they have four petals and they're pure white in colour with a yellow centre. The foliage is dark green. It's also useful for a north-facing site, so it doesn't mind too much if it has a, a lack of sunlight. I think that's a very useful feature of it, isn't it? Most gardens are going to have a north-facing site at some point, Yes, I mean, like any plants that are suitable for a north-facing site, you won't get as many flowers on this clematis in a north-facing site. I think plants will always flower best in full sun or light shade, but it will still flower in a north-facing site, but maybe not quite as prolifically. And this variety doesn't need too much pruning or maintenance? 
No, it doesn't. It, it all depends on the site that you choose to plant it in. It is extremely vigorous clematis. And if you choose a site that's too small, then you're going to be regularly cutting it back to try and stop it invading other parts of the garden where you don't want it to be. Well, if it can grow 10 metres tall, 10 metres is a jolly long distance, isn't it? Yeah, so you need to be really careful about choosing the right site for it and giving it enough space to... But as you mentioned, if you've got an unsightly area which needs covering and covering quickly, then something like this would be really good and you get a nice flush of flowers as well. Yes, it is deciduous, this particular clematis, so it wouldn't have any leaves on it in the winter. But that doesn't matter too much because all the stems still provide a certain amount of cover. I guess we don't go out quite as much in winter either. That's right. (laughs) Stay inside and ignore it. Look at it in the summer and appreciate it. Did we mention it's got the RHS Award of Garden Merit? No, we didn't. That's always a a good aspect, isn't it? A A good indicator that the plant's going to do well in most gardens. Absolutely, yes. Tried and tested. Perfect pairing. Now, perfect pairing, George. You've chosen two plants for May this month. Veronica Shirley Blue, a speedwell, and Iris Buckwheat, a bearded iris. Why have you chosen these two? Well, this month, these two plants complement each other in terms of the colour. Veronica Shirley Blue... Of course, you can see the common name there, Speedwell. So this is actually a relative of a common garden weed that you can find in the many lawns. Speedwell is a, an arable and garden weed that has blue flowers and is very often prolific in lawns because it grows below the height of the lawnmower blade. <laughs> Annoying. Uh, but this one, this particular Veronica has been cultivated. It's called Shirley Blue. It's a hardy perennial and it can grow up to 25 centimetres tall and a spread of 30 centimetres. It flowers best in full sun or partial shade and it needs, a bit like the bulbs that we were talking about earlier, moderately fertile, well-drained soil with a bit of moisture in it as well. It's a recurring theme, isn't it? Moderately fertile, well-draining. That's right. There are a lot of plants that don't want soil that's too rich. They almost like to be under a bit of stress and hunting for food. In well, I suppose flower particularly best. Mediterranean plants like the herbs, they really like the arid, bare soil that doesn't have many nutrients but it's free draining. That's right. The, the moisture that they do get is only there for a few days maybe and then it's gone and they're... They're adapted to make the best of it. Yeah, absolutely. And they have leaf modifications and things like that to uh, stop them uh, losing moisture from their stems and their leaves. So getting back to Veronica Shirley Blue, the flowers are saucer-shaped and bright blue from May to July. So it's quite a long flowering period. Uh, It has deeply toothed greyish-green leaves and the flowers are also attractive to many insects, bees and butterflies. And again, this plant has the RHS Award of Garden Merit. Lots to recommend it. It does have a really lovely blue colour, doesn't it? And I think that would look really nice at the front of a border. Yes, it's a, it's a lovely plant, isn't it? And my idea this month was to have an iris growing up through it with yellow flowers. So you have yellow flowers sitting above a blue carpet almost. So the iris that I've suggested is iris buckwheat. It's a bearded iris and it has grows up to 90 centimetres tall and with a spread of about 45 centimetres. That really would shoot up above the speed well, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would look nice, I think, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I can imagine that, George. So We need an artist's impression. (laughs) 
So again, full sun is best for this iris with well-drained, moderately fertile, neutral to slightly acidic soil. We talked about the flowers. They're pale yellow with a slight brown veining on the beard from May to June. I haven't got any irises, but I do quite often look at them I'm thinking it's a plant I would like to have some on. Don't you often see them by the side of ponds and things? Yes, that's a particular one, the the flag iris. Ah, the flag iris, okay, so it's a marginal Uh, plant. Yes, in fact, in our part of the world, we have the famous archaeological site, Flag Fen, don't we? We do, yeah. And that is called Flag Fen, if I'm correct, because of the flag iris that's grown there for all the... Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, For hundreds thousands of years yeah long before us absolutely and probably and they, long still after grow, us. they still grow there now i haven't visited there that's somewhere i'm gonna to have to go and have a look then george and this time of year is that the best time for irises yeah most irises flower in early summer okay so now's a good time to go and visit yeah. that excellent and irises are also toxic i believe so you've got to be a bit careful of those yeah don't put them in your soup <laughs> no definitely not these plants you can also buy online if you want. We do have links in the show notes on our page at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 14. The links will take you through to Crocus, which is an online plant supplier in the UK. I've used them in the past. They're, they're very good, and I think the, the prices are quite reasonable. And you can get any of these plants that we've talked about delivered directly to your door. Jobs to do in the garden. Now, jobs to do in the garden, George. May is a very busy time of year, isn't it, for the gardener? Yes, we have a long list of jobs to do this month. The first is deadheading. When you were talking with Owen, you talked about deadheading the tulips, didn't you? That's it. So they're not putting the energy into the seeds, and then the leaves need to go back and sort of feed the bulbs ready for next year. Very important, I think. Yeah, in that case, it creates a stronger bulb, so yeah. you probably get a better flower next year. And the bulbs multiply, don't they? Yeah, that's right. So deadheading other plants this month encourages possible more flower development. It doesn't always happen, but there's always a chance if you deadhead the flower. And it looks a bit neater, doesn't it, rather than having yeah. the manky brown withered flower heads on. That's right. Another job this month is to fill your containers and hanging baskets with the summer bedding if you've not done it already yet. We have. Yeah, it's good to do it around this time. When there's no chance or minimal chance of frost. That's it, that's correct. There are a lot of perennial plants that are starting to get really quite tall now at this time of year, so you can stake them. We've got our delphinium staked already. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. stake them up. We don't want them flopping over because we've had some real wind these last couple of days. Yeah, that's the reason you do it. It's the the lush growth, and it can also be very windy. So, And and with the rain, that makes them heavier. It's the worst conditions, isn't it? Yeah, the lush growth is often not very strong, so it needs some support. Our lawns this month need to be regularly mown, and you can also uh, weed and feed them. Tick that box, done that as well. (laughs) (laughs) There's some seed sowing this month if you'd like to do hardy biennials, for example, foxgloves and sweet williams. Seeds can be sown of those. Daily tubers can be planted out after you've overwintered them. Evergreen hedges can be trimmed this month. We talked about that before, didn't we, Richard? Yeah, do you. Uh, I've got a few box trees in the back there, which we've got two balls on one we're trying to train into a conical shape. So I think the conical shape one needs a little bit of trimming just to get it in the right direction. But as you said, the yew trees are just getting established. It's going to be a few years before we need to trim those. 
spray roses that are prone to attack from black spot and green fly. Uh, it's a shame to have to spray things with chemicals, isn't it? But yeah, I know you often advocate just going with your thumb and forefinger and rubbing the green fly off a rose. And you did it in the back garden for me a few weeks back on a patio, little shrub rose I've got. And you got them all off and they haven't come back again. So it's a very simple and effective way of doing it. Just a bit more time consuming, I guess, but more ecologically friendly. Yeah, the only trouble is you can't do that for black spot. Uh, no. <laughs> you have to uh, spray against that fungal-borne disease. Any new plantings in the garden, make sure you're regularly watering them at this time of year if the rain's not doing it for you. Any shrubs that have finished flowering recently, for example, Forsythia um, and the flowering currant ribes, they can be pruned at this time of year. And if we do get any late frosts, very unlikely now, but any tender plants need to be covered up. Including vegetables. Yeah, young vegetable plants that might not be fully you hardened. Don't want to miss out on those. They cover them up with horticultural fleece to keep any um, late frost off them. In the vegetable garden. So, speaking of vegetables, George, what have we got to do in the vegetable garden for this time of year? Outside, we can sow seeds of runner beans, marrows, courgettes pumpkins carrots potato tubers can be planted out this month cabbage and beetroot seeds can also be sown out any young plants that you've started off indoors on the windowsill for example can be planted out in the vegetable patch this month for example sweet corn tomatoes aubergines peppers marrows courgettes cucumbers melons and pumpkins also start a bit of harvesting this month. Asparagus is ready to eat. Rhubarb and spinach can all be picked at this time of year. Plants of note. Now, plants of note, George. For this month, you've got two plants. The first one is Wisteria sinensis, the Chinese wisteria. I think this is kind of a quintessentially English plant. You often see it on stately homes, trained along a big garden wall or something. They're amazing plants, aren't they? And they do grow massive. Yeah, quintessentially English, but Chinese. (laughs) Yes, Chinese in origin. But most of our plants come from somewhere else, don't they? They do. We've adopted them as our own. That's right, we have. Because this one in particular has lovely large flower clusters, doesn't it? It does. So it's a, a hardy, fast-growing, vigorous climber. It can grow almost as big as the clematis we were talking about before, nine metres tall and five metres spread. Prefers full sun or light shade and a moist, well-drained, fertile soil. The flowers, if you look closely at them, are similar to the ones of peas. They're born in clusters. They're blue or lilac in colour during May and June. Another toxic plant, Richard, that we're suggesting to people I think it's always wise to not try eating plants unless you're 100% certain it's safe to eat. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) But it's good to know that some things are toxic and and best to avoid. And this one also has the RHS Award of Garden Merit, doesn't it? Yes. And your other plant for May, George? The other plant for May is the Colquitsia amabilis pink cloud, which is the beauty bush. It's a fast to average growing hardy shrub. can grow up to three metres tall and four metres spread prefers full sun or partial shade uh, and fertile well-drained soil it has small deep pink trumpet-like flowers in may and june they're very Um, delicate aren't they they are lovely flowers they remind me a little bit of the wygelia yes they are similar aren't they yeah 
And again, this plant has the RHS Award of Garden Merit. Another one to look out for, yeah. Yeah, I do like that. I think it's a stunning plant, beautiful flowers. I'd never even heard of that plant before, George. I do learn a lot myself from these podcasts. When you come up with these plants, I'm thinking, I've never heard of that, but that is lovely. I need a bigger garden, I think. (laughs) Your questions. Now, listeners' questions. We've had, in the past couple of episodes, Terry Esling, he's had a problem with pansies being eaten by wood lice. We don't seem to have got to the bottom of this. And Terry's come back to us and he said, actually, they're eating the flowers themselves. I kind of assumed, wrongly, obviously, that it was the roots, but eating the flowers. You say you've seen birds eating flowers before. I have. Sparrows, I've noticed eating bedding plant flowers. Other birds as well might have a peck at them. But he says, Terry says, uh, the wood lice are eating his flowers. I've not heard of that before, so... That's bizarre. Well, I'm sorry, Terry, we seem to have drawn a blank on this one. We really have tried our best. If there's anyone listening has gotten any ideas to help Terry out as to why woodlice might be munching on his winter pansies on the actual flowers and what he could do to stop, please do let us know. You can email us. The address is podcast at plantadvice.co.uk. And we also have another question. This is from listener Bridget Preston. She has a spathiphyllum, a peace lily plant. She says, I want to know why the leaves go brown at the tips and along the edges. The plant was given to me last year at this time when it was in bloom with some beautiful flowers and quite prolific in size. I had to repot it and it stands in another pot which is bigger and allows air to circulate. I water it whenever the soil feels dry, about once a fortnight, and gave it some plant feed middle of last month before going on holiday. It has been growing some new shoots which look like they will be the new plant as I have had to cut out some of the very big brown leaves to make it look better. The new leaves are about 12 inches tall and are looking healthy. What shall I do next? Okay, Richard, I think there's a few clues in here as to why Bridget's spathiphyllum is not doing too well. Firstly, the watering. The only time of year that I would let it dry out between waterings would be the winter. The rest of the year I would keep the plant really moist at all times. But probably more importantly than that is the air humidity around the plant. You need to mist the leaves regularly or stand the pot plant on a tray of moist pebbles. So you're trying to mimic the environment in which it comes from in the wild. Which is so tropics, very, isn't it? Yeah, very a lot of moisture in the air around it you'd find in the wild. Bridget hasn't mentioned the amount of sunlight that it gets, but if, for example, that you would stand it on a very sunny windowsill, that could certainly damage the leaves. So you don't want it to have strong direct sunlight. So essentially, try and mimic a tropical atmosphere. Keep it moist, don't let the soil dry out. Mist the leaves if you've got a mister, but if not, a tray of little pebbles or maybe even both. And I suppose in the tropics, if it's in a, under a tropical canopy of tall trees, it's not going to get strong sunlight, it's going to get dappled shade, isn't it? Keep it out of strong sunlight. Yeah, so it's all about trying to mimic the conditions in which it's found growing in the wild. So there we go, Bridget. Try those things and let us know how you get on. And I hope your plant looks a bit healthier and gives you many years of interest. Forthcoming garden shows. 
Now, May, George, is the season for the gardening shows. Malvern's show has just been and gone. Unfortunately, the podcast is a little late this month, so we've missed the Malvern show. But coming up from the 20th to the 24th of May is the RHS Chelsea Flower Show 2014. That is the big kiddie. That is the most spectacular flower show on earth, I think. I might be biased being British, but I don't think there's anything to eclipse that, George. Do you? No, it's the creme de la creme, isn't it, Richard? It is. That's what people aim for. So I'm going to the Chelsea Flower Show. So we we hope to report back in next month's podcast. We'll have an article on the website and pictures of the flowers and the gardens on our Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash plantadvice. And we've also got, I think from past years, we've got a few little videos on our YouTube channel, which you can find at YouTube dot com slash plant advice so lots of interest there and hopefully we'll have some nice interviews so that about wraps it up for this episode if you've got any questions please do email us we'd love to hear from you the email address to use is podcast at plantadvice.co.uk we'll do our very best to answer your questions we can't always promise we failed a bit with terry and his winter pansies but hopefully we can help out for you. If you've enjoyed the show, please do leave a a rating for us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you found us. You can follow the show notes for this page with links to the plants we've talked about at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 14. And other than that, I'm really looking forward to the RHS Chelsea Flower Show. I can't contain myself. I'm a bit excited, George. It's one of the highlights of the year for me. Yes, you have a lovely day, Richard. I do indeed. Let's hope the weather is kind to us. So we'll report back on that next month. In the meantime, that's all from us for this episode. Thank you ever so much for listening. We hope you'll listen again next month. Enjoy your garden. And until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. podcast was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs.